Welcome back to the Sim Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Shablock. We are joined today at IMSH by Desiree Diaz and Kelly Bryant. Uh, and they've come on to talk to us about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But first, let's give them a chance to introduce themselves, tell us where they're from, what they've done in the past. So Desiree, I'll let you lead it off. Thank you for having me on your podcast, both of you. I work at the University of Central Florida. I'm associate professor for nursing, but I'm incoming president or president-elect of INAXL, which um, really focuses on nursing simulation. And within the society, I do some work with accreditation as well as Chessier portfolio accreditation. And I'm Kelly Bryant. I'm the Assistant Dean of Clinical Affairs and Simulation and Associate Professor at Columbia University School of Nursing. And some of my roles uh, for SSH, I'm on their Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committee. I am the past chair, because unfortunately it no longer exists, for the Communications and Media Committee. And for Anaxel, I'm also on their Diversity, Equity, Include Committee called Include. And I'm on their Conference Planning Committee. I will say, we're on the show floor IMSH 2023, and we have had some amazing guests here, and I love them all. When I saw both of you that were on our list, I got excited. I saw that there was a possibility we might have one person go there and one person. I'm like, I stalked you, and I said, no. (laughs) Yes, he did. I I gave the head a hand. I was like, (laughs) I need both of you. And the reason is, a couple years ago during COVID, you both did a presentation over Zoom that was impactful it was riveting, and the way you did it was so good, the way you played off each other. Because this topic sometimes can be like, I don't know how this is gonna be. It was such a joy. I have shared it out to so many colleagues, and it, it was great. Terribly excited that you were here, especially to talk about this topic, because it was lovely. Well, thank you. Thank you, that means a lot, thank you. With, with that build up, Diversity, equity, inclusion. We've been hearing a lot about this in the last couple of years. We should have been hearing about it a lot longer than that, right? Yes. So lead us off. What does this mean to you? And how do we get involved and make sure that going forward, it is at the top of everybody's mind and we're focused on it? So I think the first place we have to start is actually talking about it. So Kelly and I have chuckled with some of our other colleagues in this area. We both claim to be West Indians, but we look very different. So it's, don't judge me by the tonality of my skin. Ask me, ask me what flows beneath. Ask me, how does that culture relate to me? How does Desri get impacted by that West Indian label? And then furthermore is asking the patients that you're around because that really promotes patient safety, it promotes culturally congruent care, and ultimately it promotes that relationship with your provider. And that is terrifying to a lot of people. Because again, my thing whenever I talk to a lot of people, whether it's this topic or anything, my my thing is I'm like, how do I be a good human? How do I treat you as good as you want to? And I don't know. So the asking is, I will tell you for me sometimes, terrifying, you know, whether it's respect of Dr. Brian, and then don't call me that because of this, and, I'm, and that's fine, which you've, you haven't done, but it was with somebody else, like the titles, anything like this, it's kind of scary. It, it's, it, it's terrifying because I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be a good human. I want to 
treat you as good as I possibly can and res out of respect for everything. And I would say too, when you say where to start, it starts with us. You have to be self-reflective. We all have bias. We all have prejudice. We are n nobody's a perfect human being. So the first thing is acknowledging. Maybe you need to take the test and figure out where your biases lies if you don't know already. And then doing the work first before you teach others. Because the worst thing you can do is you got your own bias and you're trying to educate others, it's gonna come out. So anybody that's going down this road, I say first, make sure you check yourself. <laughs> do your training, your education, try to deconstruct your own biases, and then start looking at the curriculum. Where does it belong? But I can tell you, with a lot of educators, when we're doing this training, that is their number one fear. I am a white person. I don't, what do I have the nerve to talk about DEI or anti-racism? But we all need to be. It can't just be people of color doing all this education. And it is scary. And guess what? You may say something wrong, well, but there's a way to deal with it. And when someone says something wrong, like happened with you in uh, an environment we were both at, not being afraid to be that person's backup because it might affect me very differently and I'm stunned. I don't even know how to respond to what literally just came out of someone's mouth. And being okay to step in, fill, fill that gap and calling people out for some things that might be blatant, I guess would be is what I'm, the word I'm looking for. Don't be afraid to confront it. Like you said, yeah. when, that's the only way they're gonna learn. And like she said, it was an incident where, I'll be honest, I usually am not lost for words, but somebody said something and she came and had my back. Because at that point, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. And I had to think about it. But apologize, learn from it, move on. And I'm definitely one of these people where I want you to call me out. And don't do it nice. Be like, okay, we need to talk. So <laughs> I, uh, there's one thing, and this is, I don't know. When I do moulage conversations, I have certain soap boxes. Every time I say have a plan because you don't know what mannequin and person skin tone is going to come through the door. And I said, and if you take one of my courses and I see you put a Caucasian laceration on someone of darker complexion, I said, I'm not going to scream outside of my head. Inside I might. But we're going to go have a conversation about making a plan so that you can be respectful later. But with that, there is an opportunity there as well. So vitiligo affects a lot of Caribbean culture. So one of my children has vitiligo. So that's how I become this. You know, we've tried everything from the UV light to increase pigment to everything. And then he eventually, you know, said, they're my angel patches and move on. However, having that deliberate conversation of why it's there, not just it's wrong. So I think there's an opportunity to to utilize that experience and turn it for the positive as well. And, and it's intention and a, assign education to it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, it, but the first step too, yes, is making sure that the moulage kit has the appropriate colors and tones and makeup. Exactly. <laughs> and start there. Yeah. So whenever I'm talking about my color palettes and things like that, I said, this is my number one because I can do injuries and my different skin tones, my darker complexion. I said, this should be your number two. I speak about that every time. 
it, it's not just about moulage with, you know, paints and colorings and makeups, but what are the props you're using? Are you yes. using a silk scarf or a bonnet on that black or Caribbean woman's hair? I mean, that is something that I always joke with our Choss A. So a lot of my family has a different coarse texture than, than me, and we got a mannequin's wig to, to mimic that, and she had twists, so those are, how would you explain your hair twisted and not necessarily a braid. So I was very proud of myself. Yeah, we got these twists, she looks better, and we had all of this. And Sarita said, well, Desiree, Desiree, I'm just letting you know, number one, if I go into labor and I just got my hair done, I'm having a my silk <laughs> on. I'm having it because oh. rubbing against the pillow breaks off your hair. So I was like, yeah, I know, you know, my wow. cousins wear, but I didn't think about that for the moulage, for that purpose. She's like, we're not going into labor, not, you know, either looking all beautiful or looking rough, you know? So it's being culturally aware outside of your sphere. But only a black person would know that. So that's, yes. <laughs> that's why it's also important to have, you know, I don't want to say content experts, but if you're doing a scenario like that, yes. you don't live in that culture. You don't live in that lived experience. So it's always good to refer to someone else that, yeah. you know, so they can give you those tips and advice. So, Kelly, I mean, you just brought up a very important story that happened to you very recently, right? And, and I won't ask you what happened, if, if you, you know, but I, I do want to point out, like, it's January of 2023. Racism is very obviously still alive in this country, right? And, and probably and nation, or worldwide as well. Uh, as much as we want to hide from it or act like it's not here, you guys still deal, still deal with that all the time, every day. That's not an experience that I can have. Uh, how much do do the concept of, oh, well, I'm just colorblind or those kind of, how much does that play into it? Because I feel like it does more damage than good. Oh, it does. I know, because our facial expressions on that one. Yeah. It was so interesting because I, I had someone approach me and say, I don't see color. And I said, I'm more worried about you with that statement. And you can't ignore it. It means that you don't want to address it. You want to talk about it. So that's the easy way out is to say, I don't see color. I don't see color and I'm not racist, but are very, are very yeah, similar Are usually the things. most racist people, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I think one of those things, just going off of what Kelly said, when you don't see color, you don't see me, but also understanding don't judge me by the tonality of the color you do see. Mm. And that's what leads into the conversation about asking, don't assume. And I think that's where the humility, cultural humility comes into play. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love it when David's like, I have no idea. And Sarita's right there behind us, like, you know, hey, I didn't think about it. I don't have to put the bonnet on my head, but now I've seen it, I know it, but you're right, that is an easy element to add. Easy, mm -hmm. easy element. And I'm gonna tell another story related to hair. I used to, I'm a nurse practitioner, I work with someone who was Jewish, and I grew up in an all-white neighborhood, so I only knew there was no Jewish people, it mm -hmm. was very homogeneous. And I had heard all these rumors about Jewish people, but you know, I kept it to myself, I didn't know if they were true or not. Mm -hmm. And one day I was at lunch with, and I really like this coworker, by the way, and she just said, can I ask you something? And I was like, oh, Lord, what was she going <laughs> to ask me? She said, can I ask you about your hair? Because I'm African-American. I switch up my hair. I have braids. I have twists. I have long down one day, short another yep. day. Love it. And she said, I heard this thing like you put grease in your hair. Can you, you know, I hope I'm not offending you, but can you explain that? 
And I went and explained hair and what we mean by grease because she really thought it was like kitchen oil grease. And I was like, <laughs> no, this is what it really is. And we need to put that in our hair, whereas you want to stay away from it. And it was just an honest discussion. So then I turned around and I said, can I ask you about your wig? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, the rumors that I had heard, they weren't true. And she, true, and she cleared that up for me. And I just sat back and said, what was so hard about that? Why don't yeah. we have more of those conversations? We're so scared. I'm not offended by people asking me about my culture. And matter of fact, I think she might have said, can I touch your hair? And usually in a black woman, you never ask them that. Yeah. But because she came from a place where she was genuinely curious and it wasn't, I let her touch my hair. Right. And I, I think we, I feel like we're on that Chris Rock show, right? <laughs> hair. If you've ever seen the documentary, it's great. He was talking about his daughter's hair and learning to do black women's hair yeah. because he doesn't have any. But, you know, and I, I want to say and, and correct that. I, I guess correct is the right word. So growing up in a West Indian home, there's a variety of tonalities, hair texture, but hair texture was huge in our house. Uh, Not my house, but my family. So when I would sleep over my cousin's house, they would put me in the middle so they could twist my hair because I had the good hair. You can't twirl um, coarse hair because it breaks off. So literally I would wake up with headaches because both cousins were twisting my (laughs) hair during sleep. So... Although I felt comfortable advocating to our vendor who provided the mannequin with pin straight black hair on a black mannequin and said, listen, I shouldn't have to buy a $40 wig to make it match the complexity of my patient, Mm. I still missed a piece. Yeah. So it's important to have, what are you trying to depict within that scenario even if you're familiar with the scenario because i think kelly said it to me a couple years ago she said you know desiree i am not the spokesperson for the entire black population i was like you're right i'm not the spokesperson for every first generation west indian that that's around but i can tell you what it was like to grow up in a west indian guyanese and saint martin (laughs) household yeah, I, I pretty much thought I lived in the island because it was that strict. So understanding that, how can you be culturally competent? Why don't you just be culturally aware and ask? And, and I want to, so I'm going to tattle on myself here. And so you, you guys have both mentioned, you know, both West Indian, very different skin complexions. Ten years ago, I had a friend that I worked with for a, for a while. It was my EMT on the truck big like wall of muscle right and i truthfully for a year at least assumed that he was polynesian hawaiian you know pacific islander and one night we were talking and it eventually came up and i can't remember exactly what the conversation was but he went dude i'm black and <laughs> and in my like i always just assumed he was hawaiian and granted it didn't really matter right they didn't come up but it, you know he's like no my my dad's from sweden and he's eight feet tall and white and my mom is you know a black lady from california but again skin tone to him he, he was black, he was raised in a black household with a black mother, uh, and, you know, but from the outside, everyone else looking at him, he looked like an island Hawaiian, right? So it's one of the things I talk about all the time. I check the black box. In a white and black America, I'm black. If you don't know Jim Crow laws, if you don't know what 30 acres meant, if you have a drop of black blood, you were black. I couldn't vote. I wouldn't have been able to buy land. So you can't have it both ways. Judge me on my tonality, but then hold me to a different standard. 
I don't pass because I don't want to. I am who I am. So that's not a conversation that happens. I'm so happy. It feels like in 2022, maybe the word brown came out. I was like, woohoo, there's another skin tone. <laughs> but it hasn't transcended to the CDC box. I refuse to check other. I'm not an other. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. You've given me five choices, white, black, Pacific Islander, or Asian, Indian, and I'm not Hispanic. So you're either non-Hispanic white or non-Hispanic black. Like, how does that, when we think about the constructs we create, we're missing another. Again, you you just keep saying things that are like lighting light bulbs off in my head right now. So, you know, you guys both have something else in common, right? You're both people of color, but you're also both women in this industry. And so the diversity, equity, inclusion, you're, you're checking two boxes at the same time. How does that impact your experience even from other, you know, men of color or from other women in the industry? It's hard because we are in a women-dominated industry. In the nursing field, in the nursing nursing side. On the nursing side. In the nursing field, yes, in a nursing field. Um, I will say I have seen that men in this field seem to progress through that, those positions much quicker and get to those, you know, higher positions that see suite much faster than us. That I have seen. And sometimes not, you know, some people have more experience and have more you know, are better qualified. So that I have seen, I can speak on. The conversations are different. I haven't seen it as much, honestly, in the simulation world versus academic world. That, that is just very different there, you know. And for anyone out there who's listening, not every minority needs to have to be your token on your committee. Mm. You know, it is very frustrating. I get you want diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, but I don't want to have 10 meetings because you need a minority on 10 searches. And then not getting the credit for it either. That's another problem. Doing all the work and you can't use that for your promotion or even though it's taking up a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, you know, there's a lot to unpack there because there's a lot of good intentions. You know, we, hey, we want to be inclusive. We want to have, that's wonderful. But in that, are you having a culturally aware interview? Are you, you know, if, if Kelly came to work in Orlando, great. There's places you can get your hair done like that. But if you were coming back to rural Kentucky. Montana. Or, Mon- or Montana, Montana. Absolutely. You know, but that's something you need to address to her. If I'm going somewhere, I want to know what is the makeup mm-hmm. of the schools. Mm-hmm. And not because I have school-aged children anymore, but... The makeup of the schools dictates the funding that goes into that community. Mm. How are the sidewalks? How is the drainage? All of that. It's social determinants of health. And you want to know where you're living. So, But don't put me in an all-white affluent area where I feel like I'm now singled out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that still happens this day in 2023 because many people don't know redlining and what redlining is. You die, see, on your... No, please explain. So redlining was done by mortgage companies, which still does. So let me do a reverse question to you. Why do they need to know my race and ethnicity if I want to purchase a house? It it shouldn't matter. So it should go on my credit score or whatever, my bank account. Mm -hmm. So they redlined counties, which they still do, and literally draw a red line on a map. And certain ethnicities weren't allowed to purchase within the red line. So if you Google redlining, there's 
great YouTube explaining it. People don't realize that happens to today. So when you all talk about, and I'm talking about the proverbial, you all, oh, what's your race, ethnicity? Why do you want to know is my question. What does that have to do <laughs> with me purchasing yeah. a house? What are your intentions? You know, um, and that still happens. But if we don't talk about it, nobody knows unless it affects you. Mm -hmm. So um, those things are what I want to know if you're hiring me. Mm -hmm. So... I know that was a little soapbox on the no, that, This is exactly what we wanted, right? And so I'm heartbroken right now because we just got the wrap it up. We, we went over. So I'm going to beg. You, can we do this again? Please. I'm ready. Please. I'm down. Don't give us a mic. <laughs> oh, yes. you. Yeah, you're getting it. Oh, this can be an hour, two hours. We can go on and on and on. And I would love it because I really wanted to ask for help on something and let our viewers listen to this. So I will table that and we'll do it else. So, but thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Every, every time I, you know, you guys give these presentations, or something, I learned something I didn't know about myself, right? And just how eye-opening it is that there's so much I don't know about your experience. And so this, just having the last few minutes, I know it's felt rushed. This has been, this has been significant. I really hope that we can do this again, get together, because this is, it's important for all of us to hear it and ask the hard questions, right? Stay tuned for part two. That's right. <laughs> I can't wait. Tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> so live on the show floor of IMSH 2023 in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for your time, and uh, I cannot wait till we have you back. So thank you to both of you. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you.